I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Greg Scordish, your host for Inside Sources. We had an interesting conversation with um, Amy Donaldson over the last couple segments about concussions and concussion syndrome and uh, interviewed an athletic trainer from Springville High School talking about how we're addressing that issue. We want to shift gears a little bit. I was interested in an article that was written by Deseret News and a KSL reporter, Katie McKellar, who's joined us today, about the homeless shelters and sort of where we've come and what we're doing. I personally work near um, the library, Library Square, and so it's not uncommon for me to walk uh, to court and walk by a huge number of homeless people. And that's something I wouldn't have seen five or six years ago when we had what I thought was sort of a dedicated homeless shelter down by the the Rio Grande area. Um, For whatever reason, Operation Rio Grande, we decided to sort of blow that up and set up four different resource centers. And and, um, I'm wondering, Katie, where we are, if you know, with respect to opening those up. Right. Two of the uh, centers are open right now. The uh, Geraldine King Women's Center, 200 beds specifically for women. And the Gail Miller Resource Center, that's 200 beds, only 40 for women, 200 for men. The the 300 bed um, or sorry, 160 for men and the other one. And the 300 beds South Salt Lake shelter for men. And that is not open yet, still under construction, getting permits finalized, um, expected now at this point to be open mid-November. Um, I was I was also reading something else. The, the Geraldine E. King Women's Center, which is on 7th South and about 1st East, I think it's where the old Desert Industries was. Right is open. It's a 200-bed center, but the article seems to indicate that it's already full, and in fact, they're turning women away. You mentioned something that I didn't realize, and that is that the Gail Miller Center, which is over there on 242 Paramount Avenue, is also a 200-bed facility, but it has 40 more just dedicated for females. So that means we've right, got... that one's mixed gender, only right. 40 beds for women specifically. So now we're up to 240 beds. We're full? Well, they are at capacity for women is what officials are saying. Um, There is overflow options for those women, so they can go to the St. Vincent de Paul for overflow. They've got about... um, So so people aren't just being turned back out on the street? I mean, they're trying to give them options, but as far as going to those specific women's centers, they are... They are not able to get into those centers. They are turned away. Um, but they are trying to get them options. But some of these women are frustrated with the process. That's what it seems they've, like. They've come to those centers. I've talked with women yesterday um, on the streets out by Library Square that you talked about. And they say they, they've gone to those centers multiple times but haven't been able to get a bed. And they time after time, they get frustrated and um, they whether they don't want to go to overflow or anything like that. These women I talked to didn't even know 
that overflow was for women. It used to be just for men. So there's some confusion there. Um, I talked with the officials from Department of Workforce Services and from the road home who've said, like, we're working to try to help these women understand their options. But it sounds like there's some confusion there and maybe some work to be, be done to help that. We're joined this afternoon by Katie McKellar, a writer for KSL and the Deseret News. Katie, you've been to these facilities, obviously. How are they different, these smaller, I'll call them satellite facilities, although that might be an inappropriate word, different, the modern ones, how are, how are they different than what we've had in the past and what we might expect? The well, they're sparkling and shiny. They're brand new. <laughs> they've spent, uh, between the three of them, uh, There's they've spent over $60 million in public and private dollars to so build there's these So there's a third one that isn't up That's and running. That's the South Salt Lake 300-bed right. men's uh, center. These are supposed to be more service-focused um, than what people have seen at the road home downtown, although they, they also have services. But these are just mat, like way bigger facilities with more space. Um, a lot more amenities. There's um, people to, they can wash the laundry there. They There's a full kitchen in each one of them um, where they can eat me- meals there. There's a courtyard so people can go outside without actually leaving the facility. There's pet amenities like where people can take their animals to go um, to the bathroom outside. So it's just um, a lot different than what people see downtown. I'm told there's also resources uh, you and I were discussing earlier, such as a computer lab, a library, right. and maybe those existed at the at, at the old road home. But the the Wiegand Center near the road home has a lot of facilities like that as well. So so we do have things for this population to go in. There there are things that they can take advantage of. There are things that they can access if they want to start, for example, looking for a job, creating a resume, trying to figure out where uh, if they have warrants or something like that, and trying to sort of establish where they are so they can get situated and start branching out and get out of that homeless cycle if they want, correct? Right. That's the whole aim here. It is also to break up populations so that um, women and men aren't kind of mixed together in certain facilities like they are more closely at the road home. Um, that They are trying to just silo and break up those populations so it's more manageable and it's not just one big uh, shelter downtown. Do you know if there's a, like a criteria? So if, let's say a, a woman who's got a child and she's homeless and she's got a baby, does she just show up? How does she qualify for services? Well, you there's know. the Midvale Family um, Resource Center that's that's been operational for a while now, and that's part of the system. Um, so if she's got a child, they'd probably refer to, to uh, that center. But the whole approach these officials have tried to um, create with this new system is no wrong door entry, coordinated entry. Like if they go to any resource center, they'd connect them to where they would need to go. Um, there's also a centralized phone number they encourage people to call if they're not sure where they're supposed to go or where they would get the most help. That's 801-990-9999. And Utah Community Action is coordinating all that for this new system. So when you say 200 beds, to me, being a criminal defense lawyer, I'm thinking of a jail or a prison that has 200 beds. And that's what... There's always turnover. What we talk about is is capacity. So what are are these? This is 200 rooms. Are there multiple rooms? Is it like a a courtyard area with several? Or or can you describe what these facilities are like? The new resource centers have kind of a dorm style. 
they have bunks like some beds are just single beds there's there's bunks on the wall like lining the walls bordering the walls so they do not have private rooms although as i've toured these facilities some of the officials talked about how there might be an option for like a quarantine room if someone's sick or something like that um but when i toured it i mean it's dorm style for these new resources and are there uh staff members for example, medically trained staff members, are there security people there? Is it a place where a person could feel safe? Let's they, say a woman's trying to get away from right. something. And we, they, of course, we have the YWCA, which has been incredible in dealing with that issue. But what Both kind of, of the centers have security, and they also have um, on-site um, medical, like whether it's nurses or anything. And they also have a 4th Street a mobile clinic from the downtown 4th Street clinic down here. This mobile clinic that will take um, weekly or sometimes biweekly, I'm not sure the exact schedule, but when that clinic, this bus, will come to each of the centers for for other um, medical needs. But they do have security and they do have on-site professionals. That must be a sign that we're out of time. Usually, <laughs> usually we get a little a little heads up to that. Uh, Katie, I appreciate your time and I appreciate what you're doing. And I, I hope you. that we can continue to watch this and, and keep us up to speed on where we are as the uh, new homeless shelters come up to, to, up to date. That was Katie McKellar. Thank you. Writer for the Deseret News and KSL. Thank you for your time. We'll be back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.